June's Journey is a fascinating hidden object mystery gaming app where you'll play as June Parker, tasked with a daunting obligation, solve your sister's murder. Set in the 1920s, the era of glitz and glam, this family mystery is one for the ages. Everyone's a suspect until your investigation determines otherwise. The clues are all around you, hidden within tricky twists and turns. You'll collect detailed information about each character in your photo album where you'll comb over every detail. You can even join a detective's club to chat and play with others or against them in the detective's league. With hundreds of puzzles to solve, you should probably get started today. Discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Audible is the destination for thrilling audio entertainment with highly anticipated new releases. The time is now more than ever to embrace the breathtaking, sinister, and shocking tales that can enthrall you, especially with brand new exclusive thrillers from best-selling authors who are guaranteed to keep you gripped, like Amy Tintera's Listen for the Lie. With exclusive thrillers from best-selling authors, captivating sound design, and dynamic performances, Audible brings these stories to life like never before. And as a member, you can choose one title a month to keep from their entire catalog. New members can try Audible free for 30 days. Visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. The breaking news from the White House, our exclusive conversation tonight with President Biden, his first television interview since taking office, and the one part of his stimulus bill he says he might have to lose, plus what he just told us about former President Trump. Tonight, after vowing to go big on COVID relief, our sit-down with the president, who he says will get $1,400 checks. And the concern tonight that the nearly $2 trillion stimulus plan is just too big. Could the Super Bowl be a super spreader? What's being done to protect fans inside the stadium as health experts ask Americans not to have a game day party? Plus, opening day at Yankee Stadium, a new mass vaccination site for one of the country's hardest hit communities. Back to school, the CDC says it will have new guidelines as early as next week. Made in America. What's being done to make more than a billion surgical gloves here in the U.S. as the military deploys 1,000 service members to administer vaccines? A one-two weather punch. Millions brace for another round of heavy snow and dangerous cold. Patrolling the skies. Air Force fighter pilots take us along as they scour the sky over Tampa for threats to the Super Bowl. Remembering Christopher Plummer and his remarkable career from The Insider and The Sound of Music. And we go on the road with Steve Hartman, who finds the heart in being put on hold. This is the CBS Evening News with Nora O'Donnell, reporting from the nation's capital. 
Good evening, and thank you for joining us. We're going to begin tonight with breaking news from the White House, where President Biden says he is willing to go it alone without Republican support to get his nearly $2 trillion stimulus bill passed, saying the economy is still in trouble and that too many people are out of work and going hungry. But tonight, in his first television interview since being sworn in, the president tells us exclusively there are two areas where he's willing to compromise, saying he realizes he may have to negotiate on who gets those stimulus checks and on his plan for a $15 minimum wage. Plus, what Mr. Biden tells us about those intelligence briefings usually given to former presidents, the stunning headline about whether former President Trump should be briefed and what he might do with that top secret information. Our conversation with the new president comes ahead of Sunday's 55th annual Super Bowl. And tonight, experts are worried that Americans may let their down their guard for the big game, warning that hosting parties or gatherings with groups at bars could lead to a surge in new cases of coronavirus, just as the new infections are slowing nationwide. At a briefing today, the president's top advisor said, while that's encouraging news, Americans must keep wearing masks and social distancing. We've got a lot of new reporting for you tonight, including the first part of our exclusive interview with the president. CBS's Ed O'Keefe is going to lead off our coverage tonight from the White House. Good evening, Ed. Good evening, Nora. It was just four days ago that the president met here with Republicans and said he hoped they'd be able to work together on COVID relief. But today he said he wants to act fast without them, if necessary, because the country can't afford to wait. President Biden today says the grim jobs report makes passing his COVID relief plan essential, even without Republican support. It's very clear our economy is still in trouble. New data showed just 49,000 jobs added last month and nearly 10 million gone since the pandemic started. What Republicans have proposed is either to do nothing or not enough. The pain is being felt by companies like American Airlines, which warned today that it might have to lay off 13,000 employees. Flight attendant Brian Walsh, furloughed once already last October, is expecting it will happen again. For me as a 34-year-old, I never expected that I would have to dip into my savings to pay for health insurance. It's just like walking on, on pins and needles. You don't know what the next day will bring. I'm going to help the American people hurting now. Mr. Biden's nearly $2 trillion plan includes $160 billion to expand COVID vaccine testing and vaccination programs. It increases and extends unemployment benefits from mid-March to the end of September, and it provides lower and moderate-income Americans with $1,400 in direct aid. The president said the size of those checks is non-negotiable. I'm not cutting the size of the checks. They're going to be $1,400, period. That's what the American people were promised. Republicans have blasted the plan as too large, and members of both parties are hoping to strip out the $15 minimum wage hike. Even Democrat Larry Summers, a former top economic advisor to President Obama, said the plan might overheat the economy and spark inflation. They're using this phony budget to set the table to ram through their $1.9 trillion rough draft. Speaker Nancy Pelosi said today that the House should finish its work on the plan within the next two weeks and send it over to the Senate. And when asked whether President Biden would be able to sign the plan by the time unemployment benefits are set to expire in mid-March, she said, quote, absolutely, without any question. Nora. Ed O'Keefe, thank you. We're going to turn now to the first part of our exclusive interview with President Biden. In the wide-ranging conversation, we asked about where he's willing to negotiate in his stimulus plan. You said you're not compromising on the $1,400 checks. You no. made that promise. You're sticking to it. So the big question is who gets exactly the check? Right. Is it someone who makes up to $50,000 or is it someone who makes up to $75,000? 
I'm prepared to negotiate on that, but here's the deal. Middle class folks need help. But you don't need to get any help to someone making 300,000 bucks or 250. So it's somewhere between an individual making up to 75 and phasing out and a couple making up to 150 and phasing out. But again, I'm wide open on what that is. You also want to raise the minimum wage to $15. Is that something you would be willing to negotiate on in order to get Republican support? Well, apparently that's not going to occur because of the rules of the United States Senate. So you're saying um, the minimum wage won't be in this? My record. guess is it will not be in it. But I do think that we should have a minimum wage, stand by itself, $15 an hour, and work your way up to the 15 It doesn't have to be boom. And all the economics show, if you do that, the whole economy rises. I'm prepared, as President of the United States, on a separate negotiation on minimum wage to work my way up from what it is now, which is pain. Look, no one should work 40 hours a week and live below the poverty wage. And if you're making less than $15 an hour, you're living below the poverty wage. But that may not be in your American Rescue Plan. No, I put it in, but I don't think it's going to survive. Let's turn to the impeachment trial, President Trump's impeachment trial. If you were still a senator, would you vote to convict him? Look, I ran like hell to defeat him because I thought he was unfit to be president. I've watched what everybody else watched, what happened when that, that crew invaded the United States Congress. But um, I'm not in the Senate now. I'll let the Senate make that decision. Well, let me ask you then something that you do have oversight of as president. Should former President Trump still receive intelligence briefings? I think not. Why not? Because of his erratic behavior unrelated to the insurrection. I mean, you've called him an existential threat. You've called him dangerous. You've called him reckless. Yeah, I have, and I believe it. What's your worst fear if he continues to get these intelligence briefings? I'd rather not speculate out loud. I just think that there is no need for him to have that, that intelligence briefing. What value is giving him an intelligence briefing? What impact does he have at all other than the fact he might slip and say something? And we will have more from our interview with President Biden Sunday on Face the Nation and during the Super Bowl pregame show that's right here on CBS. Tonight, health officials are advising Americans not to gather in large groups for Super Bowl parties. More than 26 million COVID cases have been confirmed in the U.S., and more than 458,000 Americans have died. CBS's Jamie Yukis reports from the Super Bowl in Tampa. With just two days to go until the big game, big worries tonight. The Super Bowl could turn into a super spreader event. Every fan will, be, will have nobody seated in front of them. Nobody in behind them, as well as wipes and hand sanitizer in restrooms, which not only have physical distancing, but touchless. It's the first ever cashless Super Bowl. Tampa Bay is not only hosting the game, its team is playing, which may add to the frenzy. Can the city handle this? We can handle it. It's imperative that everyone understands the level of personal responsibility and that they have to wear masks. Super Bowl parties worry Dr. Ajish Jha. But I think it's really important that we don't have these large indoor gatherings. You also have people who are screaming and yelling at the television. The virus spreads a lot more efficiently when people speak loudly, you know, and that's going to unfortunately make things worse. 
In an effort to try to get us back to normal, the White House announced a major ramp-up today. 1,000 active-duty military personnel will be deployed as early as next week to help FEMA administer vaccines. And the Defense Production Act will be used to manufacture 61 million at-home test kits by the end of summer and make more than a billion surgical gloves per month by year's end. None are currently made in the U.S., plus additional resources to make more of the Pfizer vaccine. To include filling pumps and tangential flow filtration skid units, critical components Pfizer needs to manufacture the COVID vaccine. In addition, the CDC said today they're going to release new guidelines next week for safely reopening schools. Tonight we're learning the variant first detected in South Africa has now been found in Virginia. Three U.S. states now reporting cases. There's a new study about the AstraZeneca vaccine found to be nearly 75% effective against the more contagious variant first detected in the U.K. It's opening day at Yankee Stadium for vaccinations in one of the city's hardest hit boroughs. The Bronx is one of the highest positivity rates in New York City. And the Puppy Bowl is set to kick off with a public service announcement from the first dogs. Please keep wearing your mask. Today, the NFL announced it will offer up all 32 football stadiums as vaccination sites. Now, you may hear behind me, the parties have started in downtown Tampa. Anyone not wearing a mask can be fined up to $500. And on Sunday, fans will receive these KN95 masks as they walk into Raymond James Stadium. Nora? Jamie Yukas there in Tampa. Thank you, Jamie. The Super Bowl is the ultimate football game. It's also the ultimate security challenge. CBS's David Martin reports on how the U.S. military is preparing for the big game. A flyover is part of the Super Bowl ritual. And one is scheduled for this Sunday as well. But the most important planes will be out of sight. Jet fighters patrolling a 30-mile no-fly zone around the Tampa Stadium. This is a USF Armed Air Defense fighter. These two F-15s out of Homestead Air Force Base in Florida are training for the big game. The video was shot by the North American Aerospace Defense Command because COVID restrictions prevented us from climbing into the cockpit. That Cessna is what the pilots call a track of interest, a small plane about to violate the no-fly zone. You're approaching a restricted area. You're ordered to turn to the southwest, heading at 230. Air traffic control will try to contact you uh, at least several attempts on radio to tell you that you're approaching uh, unauthorized airspace. Lieutenant Colonel Alex Edwards explains what happens next if the intruder doesn't heed the warning. You can expect to see a few fighters off your wing trying to convince you that you need to change your direction. Two F-15s popping up in front of you is an unmistakable sign you are in the wrong place at the wrong time. And yes, they will shoot you down if they have to. David Martin, CBS News, Washington. Tonight, dangerous wind chill and winter storm alerts are posted across the Midwest. A storm that dumped snow on Milwaukee on Thursday is pushing east and could merge with another storm before hitting the northeast on Super Bowl Sunday. So let's get the forecast now from CBS's Lonnie Quinn. Good evening, Lonnie. 
Well, good evening, Nora. You're right. There are two storms that we are watching to possibly merge somewhere off the northeast seaboard. Let's talk about that first storm. That first storm by tomorrow is in the area around Chicago. It's putting not much down, maybe maybe two inches of snow. The second storm down around the Carolinas. But it's on Super Bowl Sunday. Early in the morning, they will phase, meaning they kind of intersect a bit offshore, and they put a wide swath of about a half a foot of snow down. If you look at the numbers, Philadelphia and New York City up in New England, that's a four to eight inch range of snow for a lot of people. Once the storm is done, it's all about the cold air. And you were saying the wind chills, so it's a thermometer reading combined with the winds. Look at this, Sunday morning, it feels like 39 degrees below zero in Duluth, feels like 20 below zero in Chicago. By the time you get to Monday, Buffalo is feeling like zero. Boston, Massachusetts, you feel like six. Even the southeast, I mean, the numbers for Atlanta and Tupelo, you feel like 29 degrees. for that area. And then you look at Super Bowl Sunday, kickoff forecast, 65 degrees in Tampa Bay under a very nice looking, eh, fair sky overhead, maybe a couple of clouds, but it looks good. Much nicer, Nora, than if this game was being played in Kansas City, where it will be 16 degrees, feeling like five. (laughs) I'll take football in 65 degree weather better, yeah. As will the players and the few fans that are there. All right, Lonnie Quinn, thank you so much. You bet. Now to this, Oscar-winning actor Christopher Plummer died today. His first big role was playing Captain Von Trapp opposite Julie Andrews in that great movie, The Sound of Music. He also portrayed 60 Minutes correspondent Mike Wallace in The Insider in 2012. Plummer became the oldest actor to win an Oscar for his role in The Beginner. Christopher Plummer was 91 years old. Tonight, the police chief in Elmwood Park, New Jersey, is being hailed as a hero for rescuing a mother and her two-year-old daughter from an icy river. Chief Michael Fligno borrowed a kayak and clawed through the ice to get to them. Paramedics dragged all three to safety. Look at these pictures. Tonight, we can report the mother and her, and her child are recovering. That is a hero. Amanda Gorman, the young poet who shined in the spotlight at the presidential inauguration, will recite a poem before the Super Bowl. In a Time magazine interview with Michelle Obama, Gorman says she doesn't see herself as a bolt of lightning that strikes once, but a hurricane that comes every year. She does have a way with words. A musician has been reunited with the $22,000 flute that he accidentally left on the Chicago subway last week. Turns out Donald Rabin's flute wasn't gone with the wind. It was at a pawn shop. Rabin celebrated Thursday by playing at the police station and a subway station. That's an expensive flute. Super Bowl Sunday could set a record for fast food deliveries with the pandemic keeping many Americans home. Well, that means millions will spend the day on hold. In tonight's On the Road, CBS's Steve Hartman can relate. If you've had an issue with any delivery, called any utility, questioned any bill or service, chances are you've been told to hold. Just bear with me a moment, please. Because of the pandemic, hold time has expanded. Ron Schott is an on-hold expert. He counsels companies on hold protocols, and he says he has never felt more needed. You can wait on hold for quite a long time. Tell me about it. Yeah. Just the other day, I was on hold with my phone company so long, my kids choreographed a dance to the music. Two, one, four hours! Four hours. Plus, men have grown beards in less time. Of course, these companies like to remind us, on a loop, that our call is important to them. And we must believe them. Over the course of a lifetime, the average American spends 43 days waiting for Godot to pick up the darn phone. Fortunately, some people are making the most of it. It's got this cool build, and then it drops into this like really neat, like, 
This YouTuber rates hold music. This guy dances to classics, like Xerox. That's the other thing. Extended hold times have made cult celebrities out of the most unlikely musicians. I listened to your song for four hours straight. That's probably longer than I had to listen to making it. This is Benedict Lambden. In fact, I know it is. A lot of people like the song he wrote. But Benedict says he would gladly sacrifice his newfound fame for good old-fashioned customer service. Maybe they should just hire a few more people to answer the phone. <laughs> so you'd like to be out of a job? Oh, that would be great. And who would disagree? Except, of course, our on-hold expert, who insists he enjoys waiting. I get kind of excited because I start taking oh, notes. Hey, hold on, hold on one second. Hold on. Gets excited? Really? <laughs> Let's see how he feels in four hours. Yeah. Steve Hartman and family, CBS News, <laughs> on the road. And there's more of our interview with President Biden Sunday on Face the Nation and during the Super Bowl pregame show that's right here on CBS. And if you can't watch us live, don't forget to set your DVR so that you can watch us later. That is tonight's edition of the CBS Evening News. I'm Nora O'Donnell in the nation's capital. Have a great weekend. See you on Sunday. Good night. Hi, this is Jill Schlesinger, CBS News business analyst, certified financial planner, and host of the Money Watch podcast. This is the show where your money is not scary and it's not boring. It is a show that's all about you. It's your questions that make it possible for me to provide unconventional and entertaining insights on your money and maybe more importantly, on your life. I'm going to be your financial coach, someone who brings common sense and an insider's perspective on how to manage your money and your emotions. And I promise we are going to have a little bit of fun along the way. Have a question from retirement to career changes to college funding? Just send us an email at askjill at jillonmoney.com. Follow Money Watch wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen ad-free on the Amazon Music or Wondery app. It was the biggest scandal in pop music. The stars of Milli Vanilli, the Grammy-winning multi-platinum R&B phenomenon, were exposed as frauds. But none of this was their idea. So whose idea was it? Enter German music producer Frank Farian. He saw the success of acts like Michael Jackson and Prince, and he wanted in, no matter the cost. So he devised the perfect pop heist. Two once-in-a-lifetime talents who were charismatic, full of sex appeal, and phenomenal dancers. The only problem? They couldn't sing. But Frank knew just how to fix that. Wondery's new podcast, Blame It on the Fame, dives into one of pop music's greatest controversies and takes a never-before-heard look at the exploitation of two young Black artists. Millie Vanilli set the world on fire, but when the truth came out, Rob and Fab were the only ones who got burned. Looking back now, it's hard not to wonder, why did everyone blame them? and not the man pulling the strings. Follow Blame It on the Fame, Millie Vanilli, on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge all episodes of Blame It on the Fame early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus.